0: Love Talk Radio.
1: in the skies broadcasting lies with billions of people camels on the streets tracking who we meet you call this liberty
2: science, techniques, prepping, and the things each and every one of us needs to do to safeguard the freedoms and liberties that living in this nation affords us. I want to thank the folks for for listening and you can listen live every evening, seven PM to nine PM. And then you can always uh, download the show out of the archives at Blog Talk. You just go to uh go to the uh the link for the show tonight, and that link will let you uh, access all of the previous shows that we've done, uh, and you can also get the the show uh, set up to download to your iTunes. And that way, you can just uh, listen to the show on your iPod if you want. And I want to thank the folks that listen live each week, and I would also like to ask them to make sure that uh, that as you're listening. You think about uh, calling in and sharing your knowledge with the rest of the folks. <clears throat> uh, I certainly, uh, I certainly don't know uh, uh, as nearly as much as I would like to know. So i try trying to uh, give out as much information as I can. But between all of the folks listening to the show, uh, we have thousands of years of experience. Uh, in a lot of the subjects, especially things like gardening. There ju- just in the group of folks that are listening to the to the show or will listen to this show tonight, uh there will be there will be probably uh I would say at least a hundred thousand years uh of experience altogether. If the people are, if if the people only gardened uh two or three years uh, with the number of folks that listen we we would have uh, tens of thousands of years of experience in gardening and uh, and if those folks call in the show and share their knowledge, then we're all gonna benefit from that uh tonight we're gonna talk about uh we're gonna talk about several things we're gonna talk about negotiating because uh, negotiating is is a very the skill to negotiate is a very important skill to have in in rough times, especially in crisis situations. Being able to to negotiate a good outcome during a, a buying or selling situation or to negotiate a good outcome uh in a situation which might become violent. The skill of negotiating is a very important skill. We're also going to talk about tracking, and that's visual tracking—the ability to to look at tracks and sign left on the ground or or, or anywhere, uh, any types of tracks from humans, animals, vehicles. Why this is an important? Uh, skill to have uh, every day on a daily basis, and also in, in times of crisis. Uh, and then we'll talk about uh, gardening. Uh, I, I think it's really important. Uh, I've thought about this a lot, and I know that I know that sometimes if I put the if I do a show that's uh, not real sexy, like uh, uh, what is the favorite gun, or what is the most dangerous gun, or what's the sharpest, uh, most pointy knife that could stab someone. <coughs> those shows are. Uh, those shows are kind of sexy because people get excited and they want to see that. It's no different than, than watching a movie if you said, hey, I'm going to watch it. We've got two choices for you. We can, we can either watch uh, uh, Saving Private Ryan uh, or you can watch uh, The Constant Gardener. And and I don't know if too many of the folks that uh, that I hang around with who would say, hey, let's watch The Gardening Show. However, I'm telling you, gardening is very, very important. And it's not just an important skill to have uh if the world ends. It's an important skill to have every single day. I can tell you right now that even if something even if something major doesn't happen, uh something major is gonna happen. I, I what I'm saying is even if something like uh I don't know, it's like uh, if aliens or zombies uh don't invade there's still something major that's going to happen. That's going to be some type of financial reset. There has to be. There's no way around it. We're going to get some type of financial reset. When we do, it's going to hurt everybody. Everybody's going to be in pain over this. The the price of everything and anything is going to go through the roof gonna be very hard to feed yourself and your families. The time to figure out how to garden is now. So that uh if you if you need or if you uh, I'm trying to I was trying to it's my computer. It's got kind of a like a low battery short in it. Anyway, if you the time to figure out uh, the and learn the skills and techniques for gardening is now. If you wait until your life depends on it, that is the wrong time to to find out that you're doing certain things wrong. Uh, that's the wrong time to have your garden fail. Uh, for something simple that you could have figured out during the time, where if it failed, you could just go to the store and uh and get some more hamburger pasta and uh and potatoes, whatever else you needed, okay you want to learn the, these skills now, and uh, like i said I, I know gardening is not sexy, I know there's probably gonna be a a whole lot of people that listen to the episodes that are doing gardening, but the people that do listen. Uh, are going to get uh, valuable information, and hopefully they will start uh, putting the information uh, to use in developing those skills. They can learn to feed themselves. And the, the, like I said, the learning to feed yourself doesn't have to happen just uh, if the world ends or if prices uh, skyrocket. It could just be just the same thing that's going on today. And the only difference is <clears throat> is instead of going to the store and paying, uh, uh, you know, five or six bucks for uh, some of the things that you want to use for the meal that night, you're going to have them for free. Not only that, you're going to have enough that you can walk next door to your neighbor's house and say, hey, guys, <clears throat> would you guys like some fresh corn uh, or some fresh carrots or some potatoes or something like that just to... Uh, that fresh from my garden, organically grown. Would you guys like some of these? And uh, and they're going to say yes. And they're going
3: to
2: you're going to begin a different kind of relationship. And this could possibly lead to uh, to teaching yourself these skills for uh, bartering and negotiations uh, just through this. But it's nothing else, you're going to be doing your friends a favor by giving them some fresh vegetables. And you're doing yourself a tremendous favor by learning how to grow them up. All right. Okay. Uh the call in number is three four seven three zero eight eight seven
3: nine zero.
2: And uh and I would like you guys to call in because <coughs> Uh, I've got. That's uh, uh, the reason really I do the show live. I do the show live so that uh, so that uh, folks can call in and give me their comments and questions, and uh, and everybody has the benefit of hearing it. I could do the show in a podcast, but uh, but I don't want to do that. I mean, I want uh, I want to do this show live so that folks can call in and add their uh, add their comments and questions to what's going on and to share their knowledge, all right? <clears throat> okay. Let me check the, the chat room. And uh if you guys have uh, if you guys are in the chat room and even if you don't want to call in, just post into the chat and uh and I'll just uh, I'll relay the information uh, out to folks, all right? Uh, first thing we're going to talk about is uh, negotiating. And uh, having a good negotiating skills, like I said, is, is a very important set of skills. Uh, in our day-to-day lives now, it's no different. Uh, I mean, it's it's just as useful now as it would be in a uh, end of the world situation. If you're going to go out and you're going to buy a uh, a new car, you have to know how to negotiate. You don't want to just uh, have the salesman tell you what the price is, and you say, "Okay, I'll pay that." I mean, you'd like to be able to do that. I like to, I'd like to be able to do that. But even if I had all the money uh, all the money I needed. I would still want to negotiate. I would still want to uh to try and get the best price I could. And that takes a certain set of skills and and I uh I'm going to find going to find the the course or the class that I that I took on this and I'll post it online There's a uh Uh, there's a retired special forces, uh, operator and, uh, he does some courses in negotiating and it's a really good, uh, it's a really good listen. And I'll try and post that on the show page for you guys so that you can go to the, go to the site and listen to it. But negotiating skills are very important in your day-to-day, uh, your day-to-day transactions. Uh if you're going to now some places you can't negotiate. You can't negotiate at uh, Lowe's right now or Sears or Target. Usually, I mean the, the price is what it is. But there are plenty of places that you can negotiate. If you want to go to uh, the farmers market or if you want to uh get some work done by somebody uh by a builder or a contractor. Uh if you want to have a house built, if you want to have a, a fence put in, if you want to have a tree cut down, all these things uh for the most part can be negotiated. And then we talked last week about barter. And you can also use your uh bartering skills that you're developing. You can uh you can add in uh you know bartering into your negotiations. And you know bartering is just the uh the trade of Skills or uh, or items of value without using money, and uh, certainly bartering can enter in, in negotiations. Now, when you're thinking about uh, about bartering, well, let me say about negotiations. Uh, this is. Uh, is this is a skill uh, that that you will certainly need if it were like an end of the world situation, and
0: uh, and the
2: folks, uh, you know, our own uh, soldiers do this quite a bit uh, right now over in Afghanistan. If the if you were in a grid down situation. You may need to uh to barter and negotiate with with nearby persons or towns things like that and uh and you may be even uh, forced or or be caused to enter into temporary or long term alliances with with folks or groups that you might never have considered becoming allied with previously uh, and of course, like I said, we do the our military is doing this right now, you know, they make deals with with folks uh that they probably wouldn't normally make deals with in order to to achieve their end goals, and you may be required to do this too. So now is a good time to uh to work on your bartering, I mean on your uh negotiating skills. And I don't have to well, I'm not going to teach you negotiating because it takes uh it takes a good amount of uh of time to figure out uh Figure out negotiations, but uh, one of the things that you could do is uh, when you're when you're entering into negotiations or for certain things, one of the things that they will tell you to do is is immediately when you enter into negotiations to begin uh, to turn on your rapport button immediately, and so that means you start. Uh, you start making them feel uh like you're a good guy and that uh that you uh that you like the things that they like uh and that uh let's see what was that example that uh, that I was reading about earlier I think the guy was talking about uh uh, when he was bartering with uh with somebody from another uh from another country. But anyway, the thing that you'll need to consider is uh when you're doing your negotiating, especially in bartering, is is what the what the thing costs you're trying to negotiate or barter a a deal or for an item. You just need to figure out what the thing what the thing that you're that you are trying to get or sell, what it costs you to get it, what it would cost you if you had to replace the item, and how badly you need the item that they have. And also to have an understanding of how much control you have in this relationship. I mean, can they get the same thing from somebody else? Uh, is it something that uh, – you know, uh, how badly do they need what you have? And how much uh, how much they think you value what you're trading in this situation and, and what it would cost them to replace what they have, what they're trading to you. These are all the items that go into uh, a set of negotiations, especially for bartering. Uh, and you have to make your item uh, seem like it is uh, – it is the uh, the best item, the only item, and uh, the easiest way to do this is to to build rapport uh, with the person that you're working with. Make friends with the make friends with the person that you're dealing with, if you can do that. Uh, and uh, one of the uh, one of the Examples that uh, a guy gives that I'm, I'm I was looking at today, and this guy's name is uh, uh, Gray Wolf Survival. He's talking about uh, how uh, he was having a garage sale, and the guy came up and uh, was rude and complained that uh, the prices were too high. And uh, he said, uh, you know, would, would he drop his prices for him and and how do you how do you think that that worked for the guy that was complaining? And uh, he said personally he would tell the guy something like, uh, actually the prices listed are for my friends, and uh, for the rest of the folks it's double what you can see, right? So whenever you're going into negotiations, you can't be uh, you can't be rude, you can't be hot-headed, you can't be antagonistic. Uh, the best thing to do is make this person seem like uh, you're make them feel like you guys are friends that you have something in common. Make them want to do the deal with you. Make them want this to work. You know, you want them to be you want them to be on your side. You want them to think that uh, that having a successful trade or a successful sale is uh, is something that they want that they want this not just not just because. They need the item that you're bartering for, but because they like you and because they want the sale to go through because they like you. So, that is one case, that is one instance where the negotiating skills are very important. And like I said, if you guys, if you're, if you are in some kind of a situation, where where you're confronting uh possible violent acts. Uh if certainly if you have the upper hand if you have uh uh if they are approaching your uh, you know your compound and you have it all bunkered up and everything's good and there's three or four of them and there's fifty of you guys now, I guess you could be uh, antagonistic, or uh, you could be rough and rude and mean, and uh, tell them to get the hell away, or they're going to get shot. Or if they say that they, if that they, they are going to start shooting, uh, if you don't do something, you could yell back, "Go ahead, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna shoot you." But is that the best way to handle it? And certainly, it's not going to be the best way to handle it if there's fifty of them and there's five of you you're going to have to figure out uh you're going to have to figure out the best way to de-escalate a situation and to negotiate uh, a peaceful ending to these situations <clears throat> all right i'm going to post more about uh I'm gonna post more about negotiations on the page and uh and we're gonna take a call real quick because uh, I don't want the caller to hang on too long. Let me see here we're gonna talk we're gonna take a call from uh Scott in Minnesota okay Scott hi Scott how are you doing?
0: Doing great. We had an excellent apple seed last weekend. Morpheus came up from Georgia to shoot boss for us, and we had an excellent shoot and three new riflemen.
2: Well, excellent. How many folks go, were at the shoot? Um,
0: 24 Saturday and 12 Sunday, and we had three orange hat promotions and one promoted to red hat and one instructor who completed their shoot brass and training number one well
2: excellent what about uh what about the ammunition prices
0: right now in Minnesota how what kind of prices are you seeing um well there's still only you can only get like Three boxes of 50 at a time, or that kind of thing. For the most part, how much is it? Um, But it has lightened up, or it has loosened up a little bit. Um, The stores are are getting in shipments, and they still sell out within a couple hours of each shipment.
2: Well, how much is the uh, is the box of 50 right now?
0: Um. I don't remember off the top of my head. I've been leaving it for the people that didn't stock up ahead of time.
2: <laughs> right, right. Well, I'm just trying to uh, trying to get a get a feel for how this is going because right now this is really uh, it's really damaging the ability to run events because because there's no ammunition and um, yeah.
0: I thought it was encouraging uh, out of the attendees, the students at the last apple seed, uh, instructors had uh, bulk ammo that they had saved from the previous year before the shortage uh, that we had available for students to purchase at cost. And none of them had, at least I didn't see any any of the students asking instructors for ammo or I mean, it seemed like they all had managed to either previously have ammo or find enough ammo to do the shoot, but there certainly could have been some of the shooters that were just doing one day that they may not have had enough or thought they didn't have enough for two days and didn't say anything about it.
2: Right. Well, hopefully... uh the prices uh, will continue to come down, and the ammo will become more available. I mean, it, I would think that it couldn't uh, continue uh, at the rate it's going because most of the ammo companies have their got their factories working uh, night and day; they're they're pumping out as much as they can. Now, I, I wouldn't put it past. Uh, I wouldn't put it past uh, the folks to be – for there to be a lot more ammo than what we're seeing and for them to be uh, maybe artificially trying to manipulate the prices for a while. However, I don't see how that can keep going on because at some point uh, the buying market is going to get saturated, at least uh, from the general public, you know, the people that are going to buy – You know, a a certain amount and stop, and the production is going to keep on going until finally, you know, they're going to have to lower the prices in order to sell it. And hopefully, the folks were saying that uh, late September, October was supposed to be the point at which the the ammunition production was supposed to finally uh, to reach a point where the tsunami would break. And I'm I'm hoping that that's going to happen, but. But still, finding it around here is still hard and very expensive. Also, I mean, not nearly as bad as as what they, what it was at the peak of the craze. Uh, one, I remember one uh, uh, one ammunition outlet was selling the 50 uh, round boxes, 50 rounds, just a small 50 round box. I think it was $54, and I think it went up to $64 at one point for the little
0: uh, $2 box of ammo. Wow. Those prices I had only heard for, like, the bulk ammo where the bulk 500-round boxes were going for anywhere from 50 to $75. But I, I'm waiting to be able to, like, order a, a case of the bulk ammo, and I haven't seen that on any of the online sites that have sold bulk ammo in the past. As far as the uh the gardening subject I've been blessed to be able to learn a little bit from my dad and and I still haven't learned all that much from him but he's been putting in a garden for most of his life and I've been trying to help with the processing and the uh some of the some of the work but uh we've always had uh, quite a patch of sweet corn this is the first year that I've that I can remember that the the sweet corn didn't pollinate or turn out at all, but there's a bumper tomato crop and potatoes and onions and green peppers and plenty of beans that we had. So there's plenty of work in processing. We're still getting tomatoes bottled up.
2: And you guys eat, uh, you get a lot of the, the vegetables that you eat from your own garden, then, right?
0: Right. Well, We try to we try to uh can, like uh, in the quart jars, tomato sauce and spaghetti sauce for pasta so that we have 52 quarts each year to put away and then try to rotate so that we use up each year over the next two years. Because right. you lose about 33% well, on, a year on, reserve, on average right. of the vitamins each year. So. Right. It's good for out to three years. It's not going to hurt you, but you're losing about a third of the vitamins each year.
2: Right, but that still gives you a a year of uh, the uh, canned sauce in reserve. Right. I mean, you're eating eating it through the year, but you will still have, even if everything stops, you would still have an additional year's worth
0: of sauce, right? Exactly. And that way, um, right, if there's a a year where something happens that the crop goes bad or the tomatoes, it turns out to be a bad tomato year, then we can stretch it out a little bit and still have enough till the next harvest season. Well,
2: excellent. Well, uh, have you seen a a drop-off in in the number of folks that have been attending Ample Seeds there because of ammunition? Has anybody uh, given you that reason for not coming?
0: We had uh, difficulty filling filling lines, and we had a couple shoots that ended up being canceled, which was real unfortunate. And we're we're uh, trying to organize better and look at how we can promote better for next year. We have one more shoot coming up in uh, November second and third at Pine Island, Minnesota, at a uh, new range that's just been. Kind of had a re grand opening that's they redid everything it had to be uh moved around because of a highway program where the highway was improved or widened and and they during that process they tried to move things around and redesign the the range and uh improved it a lot and so we're gonna we're looking forward to trying to fill that line, which we got two bays that'll hold. 44 to 45 people, so we're working on promoting that shoot. And then we hope to be able to have uh, two or three shoots at that range next year. And and uh, so we're looking forward to that.
2: Well, great job. And once again, tell the folks the, uh, the names that you wanted to uh, thank of the uh, shoot boss and the rest of the crew members.
0: I wanted to thank uh, Morpheus for flying back to Minnesota from Georgia um, and uh, put on a coordinated and excellent shoot, and uh, Cully and his promotion to uh, getting the first shoot boss um, in training done, and uh, GMW and let's see. Freedom V moved up to uh, from I-2 to I-3, and Colonial Iron received his red hat, which was a great accomplishment. So we have another red hat in Minnesota.
2: Oh, well, congratulations to him. Hey, listen, we've got one of your guys down here uh, right now at the uh, Rifleman's uh, boot camp. Excellent. Mr. Mr. Morton is here. Morton. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I hope I'm saying it right. Is uh, Paul Morton? Okay. And
0: I think I just know his maybe.
2: His, his I
0: man. saw someone was traveling down there, and uh, it looked. I wish I uh, wish I would have had the uh, time to be able to go down with them. That would be a, an excellent uh, an excellent opportunity.
2: Well, they did all their they did all their basic work today and they're gonna to move to uh, actual distance tomorrow and uh, start getting the data for their center fires and then start shooting AQTs. And we'll have two days of uh of some really good center fire work for the folks. So they should be uh they should be happy with that. And Jim, don't hang up. I'm gonna to get to you in just a second.
0: Uh also Woody well, thirty five moved up uh one level in the uh, in the orange hat so we had a lot of participation, and it was the first time that I uh, got uh, pushed off the into the deep end and, and uh, got through telling the first strike. So next time will be much well, better, but at least, at least I got one under my belt.
2: <laughs> well, congratulations, man. Good job. Well, Scott, thank you very much for calling in. Be sure and call in on a regular basis to let us know how the folks in Minnesota are doing, okay? Will do. All right. Thank you very much and you have a great evening. Okay, Jim, you said uh you needed to get a plug in. Guys, this is uh Mr. Jim Heats from Colorado. Welcome to the show. Well,
4: thank you. It's always a pleasure to be talking with you and uh and uh you let us come on all the time and we really appreciate uh that you let us uh let us talk about
2: the Hey. No
4: problem. Listen, how are you guys doing with uh
2: with Colorado now, which uh, apparently is uh, is a land of uh, multiple disasters. I mean, you've got uh, the fires, which you guys barely escaped, and uh, and it really ravaged uh, a, a large section of the state. Then you got the flooding. How you how are you guys faring? I know, Dan, I know it wasn't
4: in your area, but I, I'm sure it affects the whole state. Well, let me. I'll get to that in just a second, but uh kind of what I was wondering is you know i we, you were just talking about the ammo situation and uh and i've got a, a good supply of uh of twenty two ammunition uh but what I'm a little bit short of, and I'm hoping maybe you'd be able to help me out with this is I could probably use another hundred rounds or so of nine millimeter and I was thinking you know I a, couple, a couple boxes of you know fifty round a couple boxes of fifty round of 22 of your choice and uh you know and and i know that that's not the same as nine millimeters so um if you're interested i've also got a couple of slings that are in really good condition that i could throw into that deal and uh they don't have my name on
2: them
4: today no they don't but i I was thinking we might be able to come to some agreement where i could you know i don't need a lot of uh of nine millimeter but where we could come to something where you yeah. so know i could get some 9 millimeter uh, I, front and, and i would be glad just, to do that jim
2: i'll be glad to yep. do that i'll give you a call tomorrow we can work out the details
4: we'll have to work that out anyway sorry um uh, uh so yeah back to the um to the flooding yeah we uh, uh we've been hit by a lot of things um in the last couple of years I like you say fires and flooding and that kind of thing and um it just happens that this weekend we are doing a self-reliance expo in Denver. Um, and because of the flooding and the fires, they're having a really good pre-sale, um, uh, ticket sale. And they expect a, a big crowd. Uh, I bet they are because
2: whenever you go through something like that, you know, it makes you, it, it makes you realize how vulnerable you are. And, uh, I mean, I get the same thing here on a different level. I get the same thing with the uh, I sell gravel and uh, and do uh, driveways and stuff like that, and and uh, I try and tell folks uh, that they need the uh, gravel for their roads and stuff like that, and and they're just they're not too worried about it. But then the rains come and uh, and they start uh, getting ruts and getting stuck, and then it's like, uh, oh man, I, hey, I, I really need that gravel now. And uh, yeah, you do. You do need the gravel now. It's not going to work as good because uh, because you waited too long. Now something happens like this, like a a disaster in an area, and people see how vulnerable they are, and and they want to make sure that they're doing something about it. So I'm glad that I'm glad that folks are doing something about it. I'm not glad that there has been any type of a disaster, but I'm glad that folks are seeing. That they need to be more self-reliant.
4: And so yes, yeah, so at this show, well, of course, Appleseed will be there with their pellet line. And uh, uh, but they will also have uh, hydroponics, uh, aquaponics, where you're you're raising uh, plants, but you're using fish um, fish poo as fertilizer. But in the process, you're raising fish to eat and plants to eat. They've got that. The uh, heirloom seeds. Oh, you know, uh, just all kinds of things um, that are that right up the line of what you're talking about. Uh, seminars on how to, how to oh suture um, wounds. Uh, they'll have that this time. Anyway, there's um, just wanted to let the folks know in the Denver area that uh, that's going on Friday and Saturday. We'll be there. They support Appleseed, and we like supporting them. If there are any instructors listening who aren't going to be there, we could probably use some help, too. Um, but it's a yeah, it's a real good show. They they treat us well, and there's a lot of very good information. Um, it's not just a
0: you know sales.
4: We're we're here to sell you a, a, a tub of butter, although they will do that. Um, but it, they also have classes on how do you. Uh, I don't know what their classes are this year, but typically um, gardening. Last time they had on beekeeping. Um, So anyway, there's just things so people can be uh, more reliant on themselves and less on the uh, other folks when when things go bad. I was talking with one of our... You mentioned the
2: the beekeeping, and I don't know that... uh, I'm sure a lot of folks know it, but probably some don't, and that uh, is honey is the only only food... uh, that as far as I know, that is known, that uh, will not spoil. Yep. I mean, honey will it'll get hard, you know, it'll harden up and stuff like that, but it, it won't spoil. It may get, uh, I don't even know if it even gets surface mold. I've never seen any surface mold on honey, yep, but, but honey won't spoil. You know, you can you can you can eat it in whatever fashion it is it's in, uh, for however long you keep it. I've seen honey before that is. Uh, then in a bottle in the cabinet. It was one of my dad's house. then in a bottle in the cabinet for, uh, I think this one was 14 years, the the honey was. Now, it was a little bit hardened, but I just set it uh, in. I put a tiny bit of water in it, and I set it in a, uh, uh, in a pan of water and just uh, slowly warmed it back up. And it eventually, uh, you know, liquefied. But honey is... Uh, Honey is a very important survival food, I think, and it can be used for a lot of other things. And it's also uh, an excellent wound treatment. And if you get a wound and you pack it with honey, uh, you know it, it is a uh, uh, a very good way to treat wounds. So, uh, and we're gonna we'll, we'll have somebody on uh, in the not too distant future to talk to you guys about bees and beekeeping. uh well, I wish that I could get up there uh Jim but I'm not gonna be able to uh oh, well. be in denver i've got uh I've, we have the uh uh the running gun that's coming this next okay. weekend uh that's uh mentioned it to you guys before it's a four point five mile looping trail with uh eight shooting stations for rifle and pistol as well as obstacles in between. These shooting stations, that you have to negotiate, and uh, and I try to make sure folks understand that this isn't. You don't have to run it. You can walk it. If I were uh, bugging out from uh, from here to Dallas or from here to Florida, I wouldn't be running. Uh, but it's a good chance for these for you to see how your your shooting skills, your stamina, and your gear all need to work together in order for you to. To be successful at this, and this is a good chance for you to do that. None of the stuff we designed it not. Uh, it, it's nothing is there to break you, right? Nothing is there to break you. You it's not, you don't have to be Schwetznots or uh, or Delta to cook to this course. Uh, it's designed to be uh, fairly easy, and yet at the same time, be hard enough to make sure that it's got your heart rate going before some of the stations, so that. Uh, so that we can induce a little stress uh, through physical activity, because it's hard to really induce fear stress without fear. And uh, we've decided that trying to induce fear into people is not going to be very easy nor practical. So we're going to use a little bit of physical, a uh, little bit of physicality to uh, to try to induce some of the the same uh, reactions, same some of the same uh, uh, feelings of stress that you would have uh and give you a chance to uh to see how you and your body works along with your gear uh during this course. It's a great chance it's a great uh course to to try out new gear on and for you to see how your gear works. I mean I talk to folks all the time, uh you know, different folks in uh, shooting communities and the uh, prepping community and stuff and and eventually it will come to to gear and firearms and stuff like that. And folks will say, yeah, you know, if something happens, I'm going to use uh, this rifle here. I'm going to use uh, this pistol. I'm going to carry my mags like this. I'm going to use this uh, this great new backpack I got. I'm going to have my water like this. I'm going to wear these boots uh, and on and on. But then I asked him, I said, well, have you ever tried shooting with, uh, with any of that stuff on? Nope. Have you ever tried walking around with that gear on to see how it works? And, well, you know, I tried it on when I got it. I tried it on when I brought it home. But, but you don't know how it's going to work. You don't know how, you, how it's going to wear. So this is a great chance uh, for you to be able to do that in a situation where you're having fun rather than where a failure of your gear could cost you your life, right? So if you want more information about it, go to uh, BattleRoadUSA.com and get signed up. We've got, we saw some slots left for this coming weekend and get signed up for the course. Okay, I just uh, pushed my pitch in there real quick, Jim.
4: You did. I I listened to that. <laughs> and, and, you know, if, if I wasn't doing this expo, I would consider coming down there except I don't think I could make the four and a half miles right now. So, uh, unless, unless you want, let me walk
2: the whole thing. So. Yeah, well, of course. I mean, that's what we do. Most of the folks do walk the whole time. I mean, we've got some guys uh uh, some hard work guys that are running. Uh Mark runs it. You know, he he does a a really good job. He ran Pecos. He runs this. He's he's really geared up for this. Uh uh I'm an old fat dude and uh, uh I don't run as much anymore. And uh you know, that's that's one of the problems that you have when you when you're encountering older fat guys. Uh it's they're a lot more dangerous because they no longer have the desire to uh like to physically fight and stuff like that and they're too old and fat to run, so they're probably just gonna shoot you. So that's why you have well, to uh to be careful around the, the old fat dudes. I if <laughs> I walk of course, but again. what I do is I keep a really uh a really good long, rapid stride. And
0: uh and then I
2: gauge it so that uh as I'm coming up as I see a shooting station coming up I slow I slow my stride uh and start uh, uh over breathing not hyperventilating but over breathing to make sure I'm flooded with oxygen uh so that I can hit whatever obstacle it is and then uh, have enough oxygen in my lungs and stuff to do the uh, uh to shoot the course but I do a, I do a really fast uh walk faster than the than the British soldiers, which was what was that? One mile, uh, one sixteen miles, uh, sixteen miles an hour. Was that it?
3: That'd
2: be pretty fast. <laughs> or one mile every sixteen minutes. Maybe one mile every sixteen yeah, minutes. That's what five. it was. Okay.
4: About
2: four miles uh, an hour. Uh, my, and my pace count is probably a little bit faster than that. It's. It's right before you would start to run, and that's why how I try to keep my pace going like that, with just a long, flat, non-jarring stride. Well, have you guys found uh, that ammunition is causing folks to, uh, less folks to attend events here in Colorado, Jim?
4: Yes. Um... It, we are getting I ammunition mean, uh, on the shelves. Everything except 22 is available without much effort. It's a little expensive still. Uh, 22 ammunition is still pretty tough to find, uh, but it's, it's more available. And yeah, I think that has cut in to our numbers on the shoots. Uh, but I don't think that's the only thing, and I don't know what the, the rest of it is. Whether it's uh, you know, even though the economy is booming, I don't think um, most people are seeing that. And uh, uh, so I don't know if that's an, a, an issue with, uh, you know, not sh- uh, not having enough expendable uh, free uh, money that's not already, uh, you know, going to the mortgage or something. Um, right. Or if it's just a, a different mindset now. But anyway, our, our numbers are down, and I really can't – I can attribute a lot of it to um, – Lack of ammunition, but I think there's something some some other things going on also. But yes, our numbers are down quite a bit here in Colorado.
2: Well, I know that uh, uh, first of all, Colorado has been experiencing a lot of uh, uh, a, a lot of uh, natural type disasters with the fire and the flooding and stuff. And then on top of that, you have uh, the ammunition shortage, and there's there is a real shortage, but there's also a perceived shortage. Which is people aren't looking because they figure there's nothing there, and there's not a whole lot there, and what's there is expensive, and even if people can uh, can pay for the course, then a lot of times you'll have to double what the course costs in order to uh, purchase the ammunition to go through the course. And anytime you do something like that, anytime you you double the price on something, you're going to get a drop off. There's just there's no way around it. Because a lot of folks, uh, a lot of folks that attend Apple Seeds are in that range where the the admission price is not that bad, especially if it's a family going to. It's not that bad because they got dads paying, and then the, uh, the mom and the kids are getting in for a lower price. But they still have to figure in the gas to get there, uh, whatever accommodations they'll need. And now you, on top of that, now you throw an extra. Uh, 100 a hundred, hundred and fifty bucks for the ammunition. Because even if the kids are getting the women are getting in at a discounted price, they're still they're all still paying the same price for the ammunition, which is a lot. And uh and a lot of folks are at that uh that threshold where an extra hundred bucks makes it a an, an undoable situation. An extra hundred bucks per person makes it an undoable situation. So we're certainly going to see a drop off because of that, but I also, uh, and I don't know how to explain it, but I also understand what you're saying because there is something else. There's something else, and I don't know what it is either, but there's something else right now that is is causing folks not to attend, and I don't know what it is, and I wish that I did.
4: Yeah. Uh, Anyway, when we get that figured out, maybe we can make a, a change in that. And bring our numbers back up. Our numbers here in Colorado, as far as students at a shoot, are slowly coming back. But they're not quite what they were at the um, last year at this time. But up until oh, a month ago, we had most of our shoots had one and two students, three students, and we also had to cancel some because of lack of either students or instructors.
2: Right. So. All right.
4: Well, right. if, if anybody fine, is in okay? the uh,
2: the Denver area or close to it, Jim is going to have uh, the crew there at the Self Reliance Expo in Denver, and certainly he could use the help there. Uh, if you guys can stop in and lend a hand, even just for a couple of hours, if, you know, if you want to, if you say, "Look, I want to go, but I also want to see the show," I'm sure that uh, Jim would uh, would appreciate you just uh, working the table. And uh, and shaking hands and giving your apple seeds feel even just for a couple of hours, uh, it would really help out. So if you can Can stop by the expo there in Denver, if you can call uh, call Jim uh, and let him know that you're going to be in the area that you can help out, so that he'll know that uh, he has somebody coming and and can help uh, help with his scheduling.
4: Yeah, we Uh, got uh, anything else you want to put out, Jim? I was just going to say that at these expos we have an opportunity to talk to a couple of thousand folks who actually want to talk to us. And the more instructors we have, the more of those people we can talk to. Uh, I don't think there's ever been a, uh, any of these where we were able to talk to everybody who was willing to talk to us because we just didn't have enough um, apple seed um, instructors or, or crew uh, to talk to everyone. And so, you know, if you want an opportunity to, to talk to a couple hundred people about Appleseed, um, this would be a great time to be able to do that. Anyway, so that's what right. I've got. And you're absolutely, you're right. absolutely right. The the folks that are there, they go to the Appleseed.
2: It's like they've already been uh they've already been vetted, they've already been uh the strain. they've already been through the strainer. And these are the folks that that will come to an AppleSeed. And like you said, it's just getting getting a chance to talk to everybody and I've worked a couple there with you. Uh, not in Denver, but in uh, dallas uh, for a couple of different years and uh and you're absolutely right because I'll be talking to two or three people, and there'll be uh five or six other people standing around looking and reading, and I'll do my best i'll I'll stop my spiel just for a second and say, "Hey, come on over, come on over let me let me tell you what we're doing but even if i even if I do that, there's still you know they still come floating by on the river, and I can't catch all of them. Uh, but they all, you know, you can tell when somebody stops and they slow down and they start looking at the booth, and and you try and bring them in, but uh, you know, but still people are sliding off. So the more instructors that are there that are able to to catch those folks and let them know what we're doing, the better it is because. If the people are there and they want to talk to somebody, but if you can't talk to them right then, then they're going to kind of look, but they're going to keep on moving. You know, they're going to go to the next booth and see what's there. So the better, the more instructors that are there to catch those folks and let them know what we're doing, the better it is. So if you got a chance, uh, give. Uh, okay, I okay, got move. If you got a chance, uh, let uh, stop. Or our stop by Denver. Come on, move. My dog is. Society he has to be in the chair with me. Uh, let uh, Jim know that uh, you're available, and then stop in uh, at the Denver Expo this next weekend and give him a hand. Okay, thanks, uh, thanks, Jim. Tell Kim I said hey, and, and best uh, of luck and skill to you guys this weekend.
4: Okay. I have one more thing that Kim reminded okay. me um, very quickly. You know, the part of the deals with the Expos is it's really hard to know how many students we get on the line from an expo and those kind of things. And I was at a shoot this past weekend talking to one of the instructors, and uh, it, the, and he's going to bring his family uh, to the expo to work the booth with us. And he's saying, well, how many students do we get from this? And I said, I don't know. We don't have any way, you know, really to know it. And one of the students at the shoot speaks up, a guy named Randy. He says, well, I heard about it at the expo, because uh, we did one about a year and a half ago here in, in Colorado Springs. And so Randy, um, I I would never have known if the other instructor and I weren't having this conversation that he came through the expo, but he's brought three other people with him to to a couple of different shoots. And so you never—it's it, really hard to tell, but there is a return on our effort um, at these expos, getting students to the line. Anyway, exactly. now that's well, that's really all well, you know.
2: You never know. Uh, that's a whole that's a whole point of. Uh, of the Appleseed project is we're planting seeds, and you never know where where it's going to come, where it's going to come next, and and who's going to be listening. And this is a great place to uh, to be able to focus your energy on folks who are going to be the most receptive to it. So anyway, best of luck, best of skill to you guys. Have a great time, and uh, be sure and call and let us know how things went. All right,
4: thanks a lot, Scott. All right, take Back
2: care.
4: There. And
2: uh, and Sam, there's somebody on uh, somebody in the queue, and I don't know. I'm just going to go ahead and bring them on because I don't know what they're what they're doing. Uh, area code nine zero seven. You seven. You're on there? Yes, Scott. How are you? It's Fisher Dog up in Alaska. Hey, Fisher Dog. How's
5: life treating you? Uh, very well. Very well. Been uh, very busy with Appleseed here and the the past week i have a shoot report for you when you're ready
2: uh, go ahead first though, tell me what uh what is a uh, ammunition situation like in alaska it,
5: it's really identical
2: to uh, what jim was describing a few minutes ago um center
5: fire calibers are available again um just about everything uh hunting rounds came back first but 556 and 308 and pistol rounds of all kinds are back they're, they're more expensive, but they're available uh, in quantity. There's some purchase limits in the stores, three boxes, five boxes per day per buyer. Uh, prices are, oh, 50% to 100% higher before the drought began, depending on caliber. Uh, 22 is very scarce. There's a little bit. Uh, there's some strict purchase limits on that, uh, making it difficult to obtain the quantity you'd want to do an apple seed shoot, especially if you're a family. So uh, some difficulty with that. I think it's having some impact on numbers, and we saw that this past weekend. Um, Very similar to what Jim described for Colorado. Although uh, the other factors that seem to be hitting you guys down there perhaps aren't impacting us, whatever that unknown is. We're we're getting good numbers on the line uh, other than, I think, ammunition shortage. The dollar shortage that you described—I I think that's hitting everybody. It's hitting up here for sure.
2: Okay, but you haven't noticed uh, much of a drop in attendance because of ammunition. Uh, but there has been well, some.
5: Some. I, let me de- let me describe the shoot in Soldatna that we had this past weekend. It was our second shoot at the Majority Arms Range. Uh, just outside of soldatna great people down there bro uh excuse me joe and brenda treferin had us down for a a second shoot and the first one uh we had the line filled up kind of late we had uh, 26 shooters on that line in july and of course it's a little easier in alaska to get people uh, out to lay on the ground for something they don't know about in july than say the last weekend of september when the weather's colder but we had 12 shooters for this event, uh, promotion got started a little bit late, but uh, in the last uh, two weeks or 10 days prior to the shoot, our range host uh, promoted it heavily to some homeschool groups in the area, and she got many, many phone calls, but we didn't see a registration or an attendance really increase relating to that telephone call volume she was getting, and I think my guess would be... That's because folks got excited and thought about coming out, but went to the store to get some twenty two l r and it was not there, so therefore couldn't do the shoot uh,
3: yeah,
5: well,
3: yeah, and we have some
5: we have some other things going on shoot report wise but ammunition wise that would be be my description scout
3: the uh well, august
5: event that we had we had twenty six or twenty seven shooters on the line now uh we did have a couple of no shows. We were sold out at thirty, that's the capacity at the the range where where we were in August. So yeah, and again I think an impact on the ammunition there on the no shows.
2: Okay. Well like I was uh, telling Jim, I'm hoping that that the pundits are correct when they say that they think that the uh the production uh, is going to meet and exceed uh, the demand in the next, you know, during this month, and hopefully by the end of this month, <clears throat> things might uh, things might become a little bit more affordable. I, I don't see how they can remain at at the current levels because because, like I said, the uh, the industry is cranking out these uh, the ammunition. And folks are still buying it. And, you know, there's going to be there's going to be uh, a lot of folks buying it probably for a good while because uh, I mean it's been touted uh, on the radio in books and everything else. Uh, there's the, the need for ammunition uh, for the uh, for the end of the world scenarios and stuff like that that uh, are also current and prevalent. Uh, but there's also plenty of folks. Who are buying ammunition because of the uh, the 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 investment purposes of it? You know, ammunition uh, lead has been outperforming gold and silver for the last uh, six <laughs> or seven years. So, yeah,
1: I, I, uh, you yeah, know,
2: right. people I know a lot of people that uh, are buying it as investment. You know, then these are people that are buying uh, large quantities of it, and it's not just a few people, it's a lot of folks that are doing it, which means that, uh, that you know, we're going to experience this to a great deal, and I hope that it's not, uh, and, and, it, and it, it's going to be somewhat like it has been in the last few ammunition crunches, where, the, you know, the price goes, it goes back down, but it's never going to go back down to where we'd like it to be, no different than when the gas goes up to 4 bucks, and it finally comes back down, but it doesn't never go back down to, uh, you know $1.60. Uh, they're going to, you know, they're going to keep the price up. I I regularly talk
5: to the owners or managers of three different good stores in the area, and I get that same perspective that the pipeline is starting to fill back up and improving. Prices will come down some is the word they get from their distributors and the manufacturers, but probably not to where it was. And and the 22 situation they see as improving maybe more than a month in the estimate I've heard, but, you know, by the end of the year, early next year, they expect the quantity available to be much more normal as is the word I'm hearing Scout up here.
2: So. Well, and I hope that's right. we'll just hope. Uh, I hope it uh, occurs soon because, you know, things are getting kind of rough and uh, and we don't want, you know, it's, it's in times like this uh, they are they're rough on the program, a lot of people get discouraged and uh and that discouragement affects the way that they that they look at the program and stuff like that and you know it's a it's a trial for us no different than uh than the guys had back in uh, 1776 and 1777 uh, it's going to be everything uh, everything that's occurring now is eventually going to end and hopefully, uh, it's going to, the resolution is going to be a good one, and uh, things will go back somewhat to normal. Although, uh, I can assure you, it's it's only going to be temporary when it does, because at some point in our probably uh, in our not too distant future, there's going to have to be a reset uh, as far as uh, financially for our nation, because uh, we're, we're we're like we're being guided by a bunch of those uh those drunken kung fu masters from the Saturday matinees you know <laughs> they're yeah. they're just going crazy with the spending, and you can you you can't do that into infinity I mean you can only do it for a certain amount of time before everybody before before it becomes evident to everyone that you're broke and that you don't have any money, and that you're just faking it. Uh, you know, they, people will accept it for a, a good amount of time, because they usually figure, well, something will happen, they'll get back on their feet, and, uh, you know, things will get better. But when that doesn't occur, and, uh, you know, then the drunken kung fu masters keep on spending, then eventually there's going to be a reset. And I feel that's, uh, I feel that's where we're headed. I don't think that we have any choice in that. But hopefully... Uh, hopefully something will happen to ward that off but uh, but it may not. And that's why I'm that's why I'm talking to folks about about gardening tonight and uh give us your perspective on it there from Alaska, uh Fisher well, dog because I, I, you guys have a very uh, a very different gardening season than most folks.
5: <laughs> well we have a very intense uh food gathering season, and gardening can be part of it. I'm not a gardener myself. but Of course, here in Alaska, a much higher proportion of the population hunt, fish, gather berries, gather wild mushrooms, uh, depend on wild food. Out in remote Alaska, of course, that is the subsistence lifestyle, but even in urban Anchorage, many, many people work hard during the summer and early fall to fill the freezer for the rest of the year because they enjoy that lifestyle, it's satisfying, it's healthy, it's part of a heritage that you know is, has faded in some other parts of North America, whether it's the United States or more urban areas of Canada. But uh, it, it, it's a wonderful blessing we have here. And so gardening can, can definitely be part of it. And uh, the long daylight hours in our very short season
0: can really make
5: some certain crops really prosper. The root crops, the cabbages, the brassicas, your uh your cauliflowers and kohlrabis and things of that sort do really well just don't expect much in the way of sweet corn and tomatoes are pretty darn tough <laughs> to, yeah you to get a crop yeah, on, on those but i know among my gardening friends but the state fair is at the end of august every year and they're, they're beautiful vegetables at the, the 4-h display that they have out but it's you know it's the right crops for our very our soil our soils stay very cool even in the summer and, you know even if the air temperatures are warm uh, you have to deal with that
2: right well there's uh, a lot of the area has uh uh permafrost down in the soil right 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 here
5: in the here in the latitudes around Anchorage and Palmer in the Matsu Valley it's what's called discontinuous permafrost there are chunks of unmelted ice buried here and there and so you know the soils can be colder But as you go further north, the uh, permafrost becomes more and more prevalent. And to to combat that, a lot of more serious gardeners either uh, garden in raised beds or in improvised containers of some kind. One of a favorite way that I see uh, among several places I've been is stack up tires. And, uh, you know, you might have a a false bottom, so to speak, in that tire container, but then uh, soil fairly deep, a couple or three tires deep, and then you garden in that. And of course, that warm sun on the black, worn-out tire tends to warm it, and you get a little better crop that way. So, that's that's a method used. But plenty of people do garden right in the ground. And the uh, the Palmer area just north of here is, is famous for its rich, rich soils. And of course, the giant hundred-pound cabbages that they they raise, which of course they're hand raised, they're watered hand watered several times a day to get them to that size. A hundred-pound cabbage.
3: World records. Yeah, Man.
5: are out of here. Yeah, and. Uh, Huge, huge pumpkins too. They managed to grow. Uh,
2: what is the what is your uh, your first and last frost times? Do you, you know? Do you have an idea what those are?
5: Yeah, first first frost can be before September first. First light frost. First killing frost is probably about September tenth to September fifteenth um and you know every year is different we haven't had a tremendous killing frost even yet here in Anchorage Jingle River but they pretty much have i think further north in the farming areas and last frost is potential till about may 20th And some years or you know earlier in may you can you can chance it and start putting your sets out so it's very short well yeah and but they do they're a lot but
2: it's a race and they got they got all their uh all their seedlings, all their sets are are inside ready racing to go so that uh, when that last frost comes, they race out there with them and get them in the ground. Yeah, Yeah, the the old
5: rule was only Memorial Day to Labor Day. But, uh, you know, growers try to stretch that a little bit. And some years you you manage to do that, but definitely you start in frames and indoors to uh, get things started because of the short season. And, again, uh, sort of plants that need uh, warm soils, Uh, you know, unless you have some particular very sunny microclimate, a corner behind a south-facing house on a south-facing slope, forget about it. But there are down in South Anchorage, uh, there are a couple of guys that raise apples down there, you know, various hybrids that they've put together for northern climbs of specialty. And they don't get real big, but they, they get a few baskets of them in a good year.
4: You know, the creative
5: gardeners try things like that that you, you see in the paper. There's a good gardening section in the local paper.
2: Well, well, I I thank you for calling in because uh, I'd like I? to hear about how it's going in Alaska. And uh, and what else do you have? It sounds like you want to say something else.
5: You, you bet, Scout. This was the first weekend in Alaska that we had two shoots going on at once, which was a, a neat thing. We had a total of 12 shooters on the line for two days down in Soldotna, as I mentioned, with myself. Shadow Man from Washington came up to shoot boss that and trained me on that aspect a bit. And Dirt Diver, I T one joined us and did a tremendous job. And then also on Saturday the 28th, uh, Appleseed, Project Appleseed Alaska was invited to do instruction for the alaska national guard and hawkhaven nero american amazon came up from what we call the lower 48 and it's an sks along with local instructors eagle river and alaska red uh, instructed i believe it was 59 uh, guardsmen who uh, then uh, the word is went out on sunday for their qualification and had one of the best rounds of qualification on their all c target that they've ever had and we're very excited about that so Kudos to all the folks who uh, border raided or whatever you want to call it from the lower 48 to help us out.
3: And we're seeing
5: tremendous growth in the program up here. We've got some excited people. So I hope I can spread that back over your show back to the lower 48 where uh, maybe folks are experiencing uh, a moment of frustration, but those pass. the mission's too important to stay frustrated, I hope. Well, I
2: sure hope that I can get up there to, uh, to meet you in person and to uh to see how the program is running up in Alaska. I'd love to come up there because uh uh it sounds like it uh it's in a really exciting phase there right now which is which is the, the when folks start finding out about it and they and you're having a lot of big shoots and stuff like that, you're catching all the easy fish and uh I really like that. I really like that section of apple seed.
3: Uh, I
2: mean, I like apple seed all all over. I just it just whenever you're whenever you call the easy fish, and now you're uh, you having to work really hard to get the shoots. Uh, that's the that's the harder part. Uh, I like sure having the, uh sure having is. the big shoots in the beginning. I like that, and I'd love to come up Absolutely, here too. Absolutely, uh, well, come on. I know you, you guys
5: out,
2: have. Uh, We'd Love to have you. Well, I, I'll let you know. Uh, I'll let you know if I can if I can make it up there, and hopefully I can. And uh, I don't know if it will be – well, it's not going to be this year because no, I've
3: no,
5: got the, uh, the apple over, seeds and Class an all the way to the end. Yes, yeah, we have an event coming up October 12th, 13th. We still have some open slots on the line for those listening. Send, send people to register for it. But that will be our, our last regular apple seed of uh, 2013, and uh, we'll go into Liberty Seed phase and uh, a little more training for instructors but uh
2: just gets too cold to to run a line for, for most shooters for you know well, that's bring It's when up. you is when you guys start setting it down. You said it uh, the the month of October. When will you start getting uh, snows? Um any
5: any time now. Average first snow is about October tenth. So we could have snow on the ground next weekend and we almost always are frozen up hard with snow on the ground to stay by Halloween. Very rare is there a Halloween that the kids aren't having to wear their snowsuits over their costumes.
4: And
5: it's 10, <laughs> to, 10 degrees. Oh, really what a
4: ripoff,
5: man. <laughs> yeah, well, there's some trade-offs. You, could, you can get a moose in the
2: freezer here, but Halloween can be a little rough. <laughs> right. All right, well, thanks. God bless you and yours, uh, Fisher Talk. Tell everybody on Alaska I said, hey. Best of luck and skill to you, and, uh, uh, call in after call in after the next apple seed. Call call in any time. You're always welcome. Call in after the next oh, apple seed. Let me know how it went too.
5: Okay. Yeah. One more one more thing. Shout out one new rifleman um, at the Soldotna shoot. Greg R. And uh, uh, new instructor has joined joined the cadre. Knox who will be helping us in out in the October shoot. So fabulous. And a couple of prospective blue hats as well. Student American Amazon. Okay.
2: Perfect. So so the guy but, that shot uh, lot, the rifle uh, standards, he, he took a hat. Um, He's going
5: to I, I I wouldn't say that he did yet But uh, somebody from the August shoot Knox has taken a hat And actually, actually his okay. did also, but Not able to work her first shoot in October So we'll stand by on that But we're on the grow Which is good news
2: Well great Alright you guys take care And like I said tell everybody I said hey And uh, we'll talk to you uh, after the uh, the next shoot we Will do Thanks Kev Alright thank you brother yeah, I bet it's really exciting right now to be uh to be in Alaska and doing the uh running the program up there. And uh, I would just like to go and visit. Uh I'm not uh, uh when I was younger the cold didn't bother me. Uh I don't know that I was ever that fond of it but uh, being from Texas, but uh, uh now I'm not fond of being cold. I want to be warm. Never mind the 108-degree days, uh, as long as it's not humid. You know, when it's just the dry heat blowing, it doesn't bother me at all. Other than uh, I have to make sure I've got uh, uh, three or four bed sheets, you know, out uh, in the barn in the shop so that when I'm working on uh, gear or something like that or working on one of the tractors or something I always make sure I have a bed sheet spread over on, on top of all the parts and the tools so that I can pick them up because if you don't, even after just a couple of minutes, they're too hot to pick up and use. So, But the dry heat doesn't bother me. Now, when it's humid, of course, if it's 105 degrees uh, the day after a, a one-inch rain, then that's rough because then it's like uh, uh, it's like you could fill your pockets with uh, with Oysters or shrimp, and they would be, uh, they would be ready to eat by lunch. You know, they'd be boiled. <laughs> uh, but I would sure like to go to Alaska in the summer. All right, uh, we're going to continue on now with the with gardening, and uh, I see that uh, let's see, one of the folks in uh, the on the chat room we were talking about bees. Uh, she was talking about. Uh, I say she, Freedom V. Uh, Freedom V. was talking about uh, their bees in Minnesota. And I, had, I just happened to be friends with uh, uh, a woman whose father was a, a beekeeper in uh, uh, Nebraska. And he had uh, friends all over the area there, Nebraska, Minnesota, uh that uh, were all beekeepers and in the winter they loaded them all up on the uh, trucks all the all their hives and they would have i don't know how many hives 50 60 70 or more they would load them all up on the trucks like a little with netting over them and drive them down to texas and they would winter them they'd winter them here uh through the winter the bees and then uh then once uh the weather got uh, warm enough back in Nebraska they would load them all back up and uh, take them all back up to Nebraska and Minnesota and stuff like that so that the so the bees were working, they weren't in danger with the uh uh with uh freezing. <clears throat> uh, okay. So back to gardening. There's uh I just want to give you a, a real quick rundown for if you're just starting. Uh there are uh, There's about a dozen or so uh vegetables that are real easy for you to get started with if you're just starting out and you wanna try some uh to try your hand at this uh you can start out with some of the the vegetables that are very easy to grow, things like uh carrots uh, and there are several varieties that they make that they've they've put out uh uh, and we were talking last week about hybrid versus uh, uh, organic or heirloom quality, uh, and you can you can do either one. I mean, you can certainly grow the hybrids and eat them because uh, somebody's worked really long and hard to try and develop a a, a, a strain of vegetable that uh, you know that's hardy and easy to grow and stuff like that. So you can certainly do that. Uh I'm just telling you that you need to make sure that you keep a portion of your seeds uh in heirloom so that you will be able to harvest the seeds from them one of the uh one of the easiest things to grow is gonna be carrots uh carrots are really they're really easy to grow and uh before i before I start talking about this let me also talk about uh setting your seeds uh or or growing from seeds. Which is one of the things that I do, and you can go to the store, and you can you can go to the, the Home Depot or Lowe's or, or the h- local hardware store, and you can buy the uh, the seedlings that are already sprouted and stuff like that. But they're gonna be fairly expensive. Uh, by the time you factor in your all the stuff that you're gonna do, it's gonna almost be as expensive to grow those things as it is to go and buy them. So. I always start with seeds. You can get a packet of seeds for 80, 90 cents, and then that will uh, grow you several hundred uh, carrots. You start the seeds yourself. And you also get a jump on the the growing season too because you can start them uh, inside. It doesn't have to be in your house. It could be in your garage, anywhere that it's not freezing. You can start the seeds uh, in a protected, in a, a temperature-protected area and get them growing, and you can buy the little uh the little seed beds you can get those pretty cheap or you can just uh you can usually go to some kind of gardening place and get the uh they'll usually have stacks from that they're throwing away so you can go by there and ask them for those you can use those to start your seeds and
3: uh you know you can even
2: uh you can buy a uh, little shelving rack and put it up in your garage and start your your seeds there so that they're ready Go out into the ground after the first frost. I mean, after the last frost. The carrots are easy to grow. Uh, one thing that, if you uh, with the carrots, is because you're growing this long root. If you if you have soil that is uh, rocky or or hard or compacted, then it's gonna it's gonna affect the way the root grows. It could uh, end up uh, crooked or stumpy or or something like that. Uh, It's not going to affect the taste. It's not going to taste the same. It may just look uh, weird or unsightly. Uh, So make sure that your soil is very frangible, very... that you've worked it really good and you've removed uh, the rocks and stuff like that from it so that the root has a chance to grow to its full length without, uh, without hitting something or getting stumped up. Uh, there are several varieties that uh, uh, that gardeners will recommend, things like uh, Scarlet Nantes, uh, the Danvers Half Long, and Sweet Treat are all uh, pretty popular varieties. Beans. Beans, I love beans, and uh, and I, I think they're really. Uh, they they look to me, they look really beautiful when they're growing. And this is uh, these are pole beans. Uh, once again, you can start your seeds indoors and then uh, plant them after the last frost. Now, one thing about beans, if you're growing pole beans, uh, which are the almost the varieties that I like, if they're pole beans, even if it's a a bush bean, you're still going to need something for them to grow on. You'll need uh for the for the vine beans, for the pole beans, you need some type of a trellis for them to grow on. And it's that's not that hard to do. Uh you can plant them uh around the outside of uh like a cylindrical wrap of chicken wire or you can just uh you can run uh four or five strands of uh of heavy string or something uh along the uh uh, the line of beans that you're growing, and, and then train them up onto the uh, the strings for trellis. <laughs> uh, some of the popular varieties that folks use are uh, Kentucky Wonder and Contender. You'll need to look uh, in your area, in your zone, because uh, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of the best varieties are varieties. Uh, that have been worked out for specifically for your zones for your areas, it's very easy to find out what area you're in just uh just google uh uh growing zones and it'll show you where you are and uh, what dates you're supposed to use for planting and stuff like that when you get the farmers' almanac uh you know they put that out once a year and and it has a lot more uh it has a lot more inf- uh, information in it than just growing stuff uh I would recommend uh that everybody purchase a you know, a farmer's almanac every year. Cucumbers, uh, cucumbers are great and they're easy to grow. Uh, they don't take a lot of maintenance. Uh, one thing though, is that they are, they are going to be susceptible to frost. So make sure that, uh, that the last frost is passed and there's uh been any danger of frost is over because they're not gonna do well if you put them in ground and they and a frost hits them. Uh and uh they will take up a little bit more room because they're a vine crop and they're gonna spread out. And uh, one of the things that I do is uh is once the, the plants now I I mulch my whole garden. I mulch it with uh with straw from the the hay that uh, I bale. But I make sure that I have straw under the fruits so that they're not standing flat on the ground. And uh, I try not to to handle the fruits or jack with them uh, very much, but I do make sure that I've got them mulched. Spinach. If you like spinach, uh, it is a very easy crop to grow, and one of the things you like about spinach is you you plant the spinach and then while it's growing as it's growing then you can uh, then you can pinch off you can go out there and you can harvest enough uh for you to need to eat uh right off the plant, and that also will uh encourage other leaves to grow. So you can you can go out and you can harvest enough for your for your salad or for your Because I like uh, spinach instead of lettuce on those sandwiches. And uh and it will continue to grow. And it's like I said, it's a very it's a very easy crop to grow. Uh tomatoes. Everybody grows tomatoes. It's not that hard to grow, they grow everywhere. You don't even have to have a garden, you can just have a uh small container to grow the tomatoes. Uh, and there are tons of varieties. Uh, uh, the most common ones you'll find are the big boy, beef Steak, Roma, stuff like that. Uh, but I also encourage you to try some others because uh, a lot of the older varieties of tomatoes, a lot of the heirloom qualities, are absolutely delicious. They're, you You cut into one of those tomatoes, and you take a bite, and it's like, it's like you think this is what a tomato is supposed to taste like, right? So the tomatoes are easy to grow. They're they're almost foolproof. Uh, you do have some some things that uh that mess with them, but they really are easy to grow. Uh radishes. Uh I like radishes. I mean a lot of people don't but I, I do like radishes. Uh I like them in salads, and I like them I like them on sandwiches too. Uh, you just take the radish and you slice it uh, paper thin, and uh, put some salt on it on your for your sandwich. It's uh, easy to grow, and you can also for the for the radishes they're they're going to grow pretty easily, and uh, and you can plant these seeds directly uh into your garden. You've just got your radish area. You plant the seeds directly into the garden. You can plant you can overplant them just a little bit. And when, when they start coming up you can uh you can uh, pinch off where well, there's too many you can pinch off some of them to kind of thin the, the uh the line of radishes out and uh and you can plant uh, directly into the uh into the soil in early spring Try and make sure that uh that you're is uh, that you're close enough that uh, they're not gonna hit a hard frost right on your uh, right when the fruit leaves first come out. Peppers everybody loves peppers and uh and they are they've gotta be one of the easiest crops to grow. Uh especially the bell peppers and stuff like that. But also things like uh uh the cayenne peppers the uh 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 any of the hot peppers uh, I usually devote uh usually about uh oh, I say about 40 square feet uh to peppers and uh, on a good year that's way more than I can eat that 40 square feet will make uh, it has at times made uh, up to 15 gallons of peppers and uh, you can you can get these starter plants at, at almost any of the nurseries. I, I still recommend that you find some of the seeds you like, start the seeds uh, early indoors and have them ready to go after the first frost. Squash, another vine crop. Uh, well, it's not really a vine, but it, it looks almost like a vine crop when it's growing. <laughs> and uh, I like squash. Uh, and squash is a good... It, uh, it's a good, easy plant to grow. Good, easy vegetable to grow. Uh, and once again, with it, uh, I make sure that I mulch it good so that the fruits aren't sitting uh, directly on the soil. Now, one of the things about squash is it doesn't uh, it doesn't like a lot of wind. It's got these really big leaves on it on these long stalks,
3: and the wind
2: causes them to flop back and forth and twist and turn and the squash plant doesn't like it, so make sure that uh, when, you're, when you plant your squash, try and make sure that you have it uh, in a pro- wind protected, or if need be, uh, set up some protection for it. And you can set up a uh, like a piece of cardboard or uh, or some of the uh, the foam core stuff that the the signs that they have for the election stuff. Set up something like that that you can use to protect it from the wind. Uh, and then herbs. There's plenty of herbs that uh, that are really easy to grow. Things like uh, peppermint and any of the mints are really easy to grow. Basil uh, is real is easy to grow. All of the herbs are are really pretty easy to grow, and you can sow those seeds too directly into the uh, the garden in uh, uh, in early June, you know, like in a sunny, well-drained portion of the garden, and. Uh, and those are going to be uh, easy plants to grow. Uh, let's see. Uh, like I said, the mint, the the mints are are pretty easy to grow. As a matter of fact, it, it's mint is one of those things that uh, can very quickly get away from you, and uh, and try and take up the whole garden if you're if you're not uh, watching it. And uh, it loves to spread. Uh, if you're going to plant mint, I would say plant it in like a in a little area of the garden. I try and plant it. Uh, I've got a big raised bed uh, that's cement. I try and make sure I keep it uh, down in one of the corners, so that at least I, at least I have it contained in in two directions. Uh, but the mint yeah, it goes great with a lot of a lot of different recipes and a lot of different drinks. You can put the fresh mint in uh, in a lot of different drinks and lemonades, and uh, and there's there's just a lot of great things you can do with the mint uh, and ice cream too. I don't like it in ice cream, but but the kids do. Uh, And then the mint, the oil from the plant uh, is supposed to be good for like warding off mice and deer. So you could plant that, uh, you know, on the exterior edges of your of your garden to try and keep the uh, the deer out. Uh, garlic, garlic is a is a really pretty easy crop to grow, uh, and I've got a bunch of wild garlic that is uh, uh, that is down in the, the front of my property, and it goes uh, from one side of the front fence to the outside. The only problem I have is that people will stop and and raid the garlic that's in the in the right of way in the ditch, and I, I and I'll see them occasionally. I'll I'll try and tell them like, look, don't don't take it all. Leave some so that it'll keep growing. But uh, it's hard because I can't tell them what to do because it's in the right of way. Uh, if you uh, if you plant them, like I said, they're 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 easy to grow. They they basically will take no. They don't need any handling. They'll grow just about anywhere. Now if you plant them. In a rich soil, you know, in a nice, uh, richly soil, and you and you regularly water them, the uh, the cloves will produce, you know, nice big uh, bulbs. But if it's if the plants are in a, like a little bit more of a compacted soil or it's a little bit drier, uh, a lot of times that leads to the smaller cloves. But a lot of people like the smaller cloves. They they will have you know a, more of a stronger taste. Uh, so, but either way, you know, it's good to go. Uh and one more thing about the beans. We we're talking about green beans a while ago and I mean about pole beans. Uh but the green beans they have the the added uh, that uh, they are they are uh they catch nitrogen from the air, right? Instead of the soil. Instead of taking the nitrogen that's in the soil, pulling it out and use it. The green beans will fix nitrogen from the air, right? So not only that, but they take the excess and they uh they will put that into the soil. So now you you're growing a crop that is going to fertilize the soil it was in. It's not just going to it's not going to suck everything out of the soil. It's actually going to fix nitrogen back into the soil for you. <laughs> so what you can do is you can grow uh the green beans in one part of your garden this year, and then next year you move it over to another section and grow it in another section, plant uh, a different crop into the uh the area where the green beans were growing, and where the nitrogen was put into the soil by the green bean. so you have that added benefit uh from the green beans now these are the easy ones uh that you can get started with now, all right? Well, not now, not this minute. Now, if you want to grow stuff right now, uh, you'll need to look at fall uh, crops, and a lot of these are not hard to grow. The things that are gonna that are gonna uh, are gonna work for you in the fall uh, are stuff like uh, uh, beets and uh, broccoli and cabbage, carrots. You can have carrots, cauliflower, kohlrabi uh lettuce, radishes, spinach, these you are know, things that you can that you can put in the ground uh for your fall uh gardens. Now, there are some things that are a little bit more uh hardy, a little bit more able to stand a frost than others. And that's uh things like the beets, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, carrots, uh collards, uh kale, kohlrabi, leeks mustard, uh rutabagas, uh Swiss chard, turnips. All of these things can take uh the frost and going to kill them. They'll be uh, they're able to uh they're pretty hardy for that. Now, I would still suggest that uh, if you have this stuff in your garden, especially when it's first when the cold air first starts coming on, is uh, go out there and take some type of uh uh of a cover. Take some kind of something that you can use as a as a blanket over them to keep the frost from hitting them directly uh you can use a uh, like a cardboard box or you can actually use blankets i wouldn't use anything real heavy it's going to press say, the plant to the ground but you can use things like uh uh all those plastic uh those little plastic tunnel things that they make you can put that over it. something to keep the frost from actually uh making direct contact with it and uh and then make sure that the rooted crops uh, that you have during the fall, make sure that you uh, that you dig them. Take a look at the at the roots and dig them up when when the roots first become kind of plump and crisp. Because the older they get, you know, the older the the plants get there in the fall garden, the rooted crops, uh, the more the more of a probability it is that the uh, that the roots will Will start drying out and cracking. You know they're they're not as palatable then. So make sure that you're paying attention to them and that you're starting to you dig your and harvest your crops right when they first get that plump, full uh, uh, look to them. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, I also wanted to to talk to you guys about sprouting because if you're looking for a way to get uh, to get Vegetables year around. It's going to be hard. Uh, it's going to be hard unless you have some type of an indoor garden uh, or some other way that you can uh, that you can grow stuff inside. But sprouting seeds, uh, you're always going to be able to do that, right? As long as you're, long as it's, it's not uh, freezing inside your house, then you're going to be able to uh, sprout seeds. And the thing about sprouting seeds is it's, it has a lot of uh, it's a lot of a different paradigm than 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 eating the mature seeds. A lot of times, a lot of people can't eat uh, things like wheat and uh, different types of vegetables that they can't eat. When it's mature, but they can eat those same crops when they when they are sprouts also the sprouts have uh they have a different uh makeup as far as the uh, the vitamin content that they have when they're sprouts, and you get a lot of uh extra benefits. Not only that, but uh, you've the from dry seed to uh, having a thick uh, wad of sprouts on your sandwich uh, is only uh, a four to five day process. So it doesn't take that long. Uh, you can you, know, you can you can make them very easily. You make them on your kitchen counter. And it's a great way. It's a great way to get the vitamins and the nutrition from them year around. Here's what you do. Uh, you'll get a jar, like a uh, uh, like a quart mason jar or something. Now a lot of they they sell a lot of uh, uh, sprouting jars now, made up and ready to go. And, and I would actually advise you to do that, but you don't have to do that. You can take your mason jar and you can just take the uh, the lid. Take get one of the lids, and usually you know you can pick up a bunch of extra lids, so it doesn't hurt to take one, and uh, and put uh, you know put I don't know sixty seventy eighty holes in it with a small finishing nail, uh, so that the thing is very uh, perforated. <clears throat> and you take your seeds now. Remember that uh, uh, you don't you don't put too many in it. Uh, for the one-quart jar, you only need, uh, well, I would say, like a two tablespoons of seeds, of whatever seed you're going to use. And listen, there, there's there's a tons of variety of seeds to use for sprouts. You know, most people, when you think about sprouts, people think about alfalfa. There's tons of other seeds that you can use, mung beans, just about everything, all the grassy all the different grass seeds and stuff you can use. You take the seeds. You put them in the uh, the jar, fill it with water, and uh, with cool water, cold water, and then uh, you and make sure there's enough water to cover all of the seeds, uh, especially if they're going to swell a little bit. And uh, let it soak for about uh, uh, overnight, about eight to twelve hours. Uh, but don't don't overfill the jar with seeds. Okay, uh, try it a few times with uh, just a couple of tablespoons. And you'll see how much it's going to make. It's going to make a lot more than you think, all right? Once you got these, once the seeds are soaked uh, for the 8 to 12 hours, turn the jar upside down and then uh, get all the water out of there. Then add more cold water and rinse the seeds really good, okay? And then put all the water out. Let the water, you know, turn the – once you perforate it, the the top of that thing – Turn it upside down, let it sit in your sink so that all the water drains out. You don't want these things sitting in water, okay? Because that that can start, they can become moldy that way and and start rotting. So you don't want that. And matter of fact, what you're going to do for the next couple of days is you're going to rinse the seats off really good with cold water, cold, clean, fresh water. You're going to rinse them uh, probably twice a day. And make sure that uh, when you rinse them, that you get all the water back out. Right? You're going to turn the jar over upside down, where the water can drain out through those holes, and let it sit there so that it all drains out. But you're going to rinse them with cold water. Don't use hot water. Use cold water to rinse them a couple of times each day, and then you're going to turn the thing over and make sure just make sure that they, uh, that all the water runs out and they get as dry as possible. Okay. Things like the alfalfa seeds are going to start sprouting after, like after the second day, and then uh, and they'll be ready to eat between the second and fourth day. Uh, and what you're what you need to do because everybody's taste is different is that after they start sprouting after the second uh, day uh just you know reach in and grab a couple and uh chew them up see what you think about that because the taste is going to change the taste and uh and the texture is going to change they're going to change over the next couple of days and uh and what you need to do is keep trying it until you see where at what stage it is that you like it best right once they've got to that stage, once you've once they're uh, where you like them, then make sure you give them another really good rinse, you know, with cold water. Drain them really good, and uh, then leave them. Uh, once you drain all the water, and stuff leave them there with the top off, and uh, for about maybe about eight hours or so to make sure that they drain really good, all the water evaporates off there. And then you can put them into, a, like, a fresh, clean container, put them in the refrigerator, and they'll stay there for, uh, oh, you know, probably two to five days. And you'll figure this out with with the different seeds that you use. But uh, uh, the problem is is that much longer than that, they're they're probably going to start getting moldy, right? No different than no the lettuce does when it stays in the refrigerator too long or anything else. They'll probably start developing mold. So make sure that you are only making enough. That you're able to eat what you're making, uh, in, uh, you know, in the, the two to five days, uh, from once they're ready. Okay. And, you know, if you're eating a good amount, you can just make sure that you have a constant, uh, rotation of the seeds ready to go. Okay. So that, uh, that if you're going to eat uh, a quart, uh, every, uh, two days, then you're going to start a quart every two days, right? And that way you'll have uh, fresh sprouts uh, whenever you need them, okay? And we'll have – we'll get some more folks on to, to talk about uh, uh, sprouts and nutrition. Uh, we'll have more folks on that are going to talk about gardening and specialty gardening and stuff like that, Uh <coughs> Uh, as the weeks go by, and uh, uh, one of the uh, Appleseed folks, Rusty, he sent me a, a PM. And uh, Rusty, uh, you're welcome to uh, to call in anytime we're talking about gardening, because Rusty's going to tell us about his uh, the orchard that he put in, and uh, apparently how experienced he was with it, and how everything went perfectly from the very beginning. Right, Rusty? So make sure that, uh, and I'll let you know, I'll send you an email when uh, PM whenever we're getting ready to talk about it. Hey, right now, the what I want to talk about real quick, I think we're getting close to the end, is tracking. And I want to let you know that tracking is a very important skill to have, especially in times of crisis. Uh, I, I think tracking is a, is a skill that you could use at any time. Uh, but certainly during times of crisis, it is a skill that could be very valuable. Uh, you could use tracking to, uh, in order to determine what animals were using what trails so that you could then set up uh, a snare for the specific animal that you were going after because, uh, because in order for it to be, a, to be effective, you know, a snare or trap, really needs to go after a specific animal. Uh, they're all different sizes. They all do things differently. So in order for you to to know where to set a snare up or where to set uh, a trap up in order to, to gather an animal that uh, you may need to, to help feed you or your family, you're going to need to determine what animal is, is going where. That means you need to start... You need to be able to look at a trail and say, okay, I see what this is. This is a trail that's used by by rabbits. I can tell that because these are the rabbit tracks that I can see, and then I see some droppings over here. And I see it looks like they go down this trail right here, and then they go under this branch over here uh, on the trail. So now I know what animal I'm going after. I'm going after a rabbit. And I know where it has to, to go into a little... More of a contained area, which is when it goes under this this log or this branch over here and comes out on the other side. I know that the, if I set up a snare right there, then the animal is going to be funneled into that snare by that log or the trail or whatever. So, learning how to track is going to be important for you to to put food on the table uh, if you are going to hunt larger animals like deer. You need to be able to follow them, follow the trails where the deer are going, find out what trails they're using, and you can also, as you as you gain skill, you can find out what trails, what time they're using these trails, what times of the day or night they're using it. You can even set up things like uh, track traps. You could take uh, some water with you, put it on the trail, and then check that. You know, then, because it may be hard for you to, to see a track or something. Uh, and then check that trail periodically until you find a track in that softened earth. Uh, once you become more skilled, you would need to do that, but because you're there are plenty of other track traps that you could use, but you can find out what time they're using the trail, what time they're going down it, and that would help you determine where, when and where is the best place for you to harvest them. You can also Use this to tell uh, if people are walking near you or on your property. You can see what they do once you learn to 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 watch sign and follow sign. You can see if people uh, if people are walking by your property or on your property. You can see where they went. You could tell if they stopped somewhere. Maybe they stopped somewhere and watched you for a while. You could tell this if you teach yourself or if you learn from somebody else uh, how to track. Uh you could see who they where they're going. You can even begin to uh tracking signs so you can even tell exactly who the person is, maybe. Now, uh I'm putting this plug in right now. We've got uh here in Texas, uh I'll have John Hurt from Tier Group will be here February, I believe, thirteenth to the sixteenth, to teach a five day course in combat tracking. Uh, I strongly urge you guys, uh, if you if you have a desire to attend this course, uh, John Hurth is a retired uh, Special Forces uh, operator, and he ran the Army's tracking school, the Combat Tracking School, in Fort Huachuca, Arizona, uh, before they closed it, before the Army closed it off. And this will be in February. You can find out more at, uh, battleroadusa.com or send me a PM or email. Okay, guys, I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, I hope that the information, although it wasn't sexy, uh, I hope it was helpful. And then we'll see you guys again, uh, next, uh, Thursday, 7 p.m. Central time. Uh, until then, uh, God bless you guys and, uh, and keep you. And, uh, And keep on, keep on safeguarding freedoms and liberties
1: that make this nation.